It's time for the Predator Way Podcast. The show starts now. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Predator Way podcast on Penalty Box Radio. I am your host, Boyd Farish, and joining me today is the site lead for Predlines and co-host of the Catfish on Ice podcast. It's Chad Minton. Chad, welcome to the show. What's up, Boyd? How are you, man? It's great to finally be joining you on your awesome podcast. Um, it feels good to be a guest for a change. You know, it kind of it feels a lot different. I kind of, I kind of like this. It, it feels cushy. It kind of does. It's nice to just like not be in charge, not be responsible no, for it. That's just all get to you, roll man. with things. <laughs> it's all yeah. on you tonight, man. I'm just exactly chilling. right. <laughs> well, Chad, I, I know you recently made a move out to Florida. How's that going so far? Man, it's going really good. I mean, obviously, it's really hot and humid, just like it is back at home in Nashville. But my whole argument was at least I'm near a beach and I have a pool to jump into. But today in particular was was rough. I mean, it was hot and steamy, like a steam room at eight o'clock in the morning. And so, uh, I got to get used to that. But other than that, Florida has been great. Uh, Everyone's really nice down here. And, uh, I still, I'm, I'm always going to miss home. Nashville is always going to be home, but yeah, I'm happy here in Florida. It's, it's it's cool. It's a lot of fun. That's great, man. Glad to see you finding your place down there and getting going. On this episode, we're going to look back at the moves made by the Nashville Predators and general manager David Poyle, both the smart ones and some of the missed opportunities. Then we'll we'll have a conversation about whether the Predators are done adding to their roster. And then after the break, we'll take a spin around the NHL for some of our best and worst moves of the offseason. So starting off, let's walk back through the Predators offseason moves. Probably the most important one that was certainly talked about the most and had the most writing on it was re-signing Philip Forsberg. And I think, Chad, that probably set the table for the rest of what we were going to see through the offseason. Yep, for sure. Totally agree. That was the elephant in the room. That's what everyone was waiting on. Uh, we were all pins and needles. For me, it was. it felt like it was since December that I was really just obsessing over this. Each passing day, like you couldn't get, you couldn't escape it. You couldn't escape talking about it. And it was just one of those things where each passing day, you were getting more and more nervous that it wasn't going to happen. I was automatically thinking about the worst case scenario of what if this happens? And I mean, we do that in life in general. Like sometimes we just like think of the worst case scenario, even if that thing hasn't happened yet. And that's kind of what, what the Philip Forsberg saga was for me was just I always thought that he was going to come back but there was that little thought in my head what if he doesn't come back and he ends up playing for a Toronto or um, Vegas for some reason was a team I could just teams like it didn't even have to make cap wise sense it was just 
I was having these nightmares that he was going to end up on on one of these teams to pursue a Stanley Cup, and then he was going to decide at the last minute, you know what, I'm done playing with Poyle with these negotiations, and you know I'm I'm going to go elsewhere. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. He wanted to be here. He loves the Predators. He loves Nashville. It's a storybook ending. Those couple of days before he signed where some of the insiders were starting to say, well, there's not much movement. They're not really talking. They're still far apart or they haven't agreed on, you know, this clause or that clause. Mm-hmm. Just there was an overwhelming of, oh, my gosh, are you really going to let it come down to the wire over one little thing? But they figured it out. And here we are. And probably the next most important was really shoring up the defense with the trade for Ryan McDonough and acquiring him for almost nothing. While the Predators defensively were better than most people probably give them credit for, for the majority of the season, it definitely did take a significant turn for the worse towards the end of the season. So bringing in a veteran player like Ryan McDonough will add to the overall structure and strength and attention to detail for the Predators defense. Uh, Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't at the top of the shopping list, if you will, going into the offseason, you know, thinking about the defense. Now that you look back on it in hindsight, you can totally see why why this is a great move because now suddenly you do have a top six defensive core that you can feel super confident in. You can protect UC Soros much better now, or you should. There's no excuses now, especially if you're looking at your top two defensive pairings projected here uh, with McDonough being added in. There's no reason to think that you, you shouldn't be playing very sound defensive hockey. You shouldn't be able to have plenty of leadership with that group. And ultimately, what matters to me is let's make life a little bit easier for our Vesna caliber goaltender in UC Soros. I saw too many instances last season where he was just hung out to dry and he was having a great game and just some defensive lapses or too many trips to the penalty box. And suddenly a great gem of a game for UC Soros turns into a game where he gave up three or four goals and the Preds lose. So, I mean, I I think with McDonough, we can avoid those things happening as much. They're going to happen occasionally to every goaltender, but let's, let's start making life a little bit easier for our goaltender here. And we already know how great he is and he's going to, he'll pick up the rest of the slack on that. That's my big thing. You know, you talk about Ryan McDonough. I mean, almost 800 career games in this league, a proven leader, a proven veteran. He's already getting out in the community and doing things. I've seen, um, I mean, I think he was in the community, like in the first day or two, he was in Nashville. Like I was seeing photos of him, like reaching out and getting involved with the community. So you love seeing stuff like that, obviously. As far as his impact on the ice, I'd love, I'm very interested to see where he's slotted. As far as, are you going to put him, with Yossi, or are you going to put him with Ekholm? What do you think, Boyd? I want to get your thoughts on that, actually. Like, Because I'm kind of against breaking up Carrier and Yossi. I thought they built some chemistry last year. Why would you stop that? I, I like the thought of McDonough and Ekholm as a, as a second pairing. That could be one of your better second pairings in the league, if you ask me. But yeah, I, I, I think it'll be interesting because – What I don't know offhand is if McDonough has played much on the right side. Mm. If he has, I actually would probably like to see him next to Yossi. It's no small part because Carrier is a very solid puck mover. 
He's improved defensively. He's strong enough in that vein. But whoever is playing next to Yossi, and you know, surprisingly enough, Dante Fabro handled this with a fair amount of aplomb last year, was creating that space for Yossi to go do what he does so well in transition by holding down your own blue line, being able to be in the right position in case Yossi gets caught up ice. And while Fabro handled that okay, I think he, you know, Yossi didn't have 96 points for nothing playing next to nobody. Mm-hmm. So Fabro has to get some credit for, for helping enable that. But Ryan McDonough, I think, would almost enable that even further by giving Yossi even more comfort to that extent. And I think Carrier playing next to Ekholm, I think one more season of them playing together creates the things that they did well, which was Ekholm sort of being the defensive stalwart and allowing Carrier to roam a little bit. Now, as Carrier matures a little bit further, they will have a little more balance between each other and letting Ekholm use some of his skill that he does have. And um, so I think there's a really interesting opportunity to put McDonough next to Yossi and really putting that true stalwart defenseman yeah. who, can, who can still skate. He can make that first pass, which is what helps spring Yossi a lot of the time. And then if, if Yossi gets caught up ice, if you're playing that, that deep offensive game, he's the kind of defenseman that can, he can break up a two. He can be in the right spot. He can be in the right spot. Yeah. yeah, Make the right decision. I like that thinking. I do. Um, I just looked it up here. Yeah. McDonough had 137 blocks last year, which would have led to predators last season. He would have, he would have actually even had more than Yossi. Uh, Yossi had 133 blocks. Carrier had 124 and, you just mentioned uh, Dante Fabro, who's gotten a lot of criticism and has been pegged as a trade piece, which I still think he's a trade piece, but he had 105, he had 105 blocks. So, you know, that's a stat that a lot of us overlook sometimes. Like it's not a stat you really think of off the top is, oh, block shots. And honestly, I had to look it up. I literally just looked that up. That's not a number I had just in my back pocket coming in. I just looked, but I was like, oh, wow, he would have led the Predators in block shots. Ryan mm-hmm. McDonough would have. I can't wait to see. And it might be one of those things where they tinker with it through the first five or ten games. Oh, maybe. I'm sure they will. You know, sure they, they, will. they might go through the first five games, not like what they're seeing, and think, okay, let, let's let's switch some things up. Mm-hmm. But hopefully as we get through, like, game 20 or somewhere around there of the season, hopefully they got it figured out and they know what they want to roll with. But it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I agree. You can you can play with your with your forward lines a little bit more. I think you you pretty much have to find your defensive pairs and and roll with what you've got. And mm-hmm. because the consequences of bad chemistry up front are you maybe don't score enough goals. The consequences of bad chemistry on defense means you give up a heck of a lot. Yeah. So I would agree. They'll they'll probably tinker for the first few weeks and then probably land on what they're going to go forward with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking at some of the rest of the moves, I, I think the the next biggest in importance was also the most recent, the signing of Nino Niederreiter, which I think a few around Predators media had pegged pretty early on as a possible signing for the Nashville Predators. I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and what Niederreiter brings to the table for the Predators is he is the closest thing to Patrick Hornfist that the Predators have had since Patrick Hornfist. I'll take that. He like plays that in the net, plays in the dirty areas. He's probably a better skater than Hornfist was. 
might be a better defensive player than Hornquist was, but brings a lot of strong possession games, strong forechecking, fits right into the John Hines mold. Mm-hmm. And then getting him on a two-year contract was a masterstroke because it just fits right in with the rest of the timeline of the, where the Predators are right now. It's a nice bridge for some of the players that are coming up, which we will we can also get to in a minute, and really just fits so well with what the Predators want to be doing. I, I'll be totally honest. I never thought ever that you, you would be able to get a Nino Niederreiter for – just a two-year deal. I figured that he was looking for something a little bit longer. But then again, I also thought that he would have been a day one. He would have been picked up day one. I didn't I didn't see him going a full week after free agency opened up and still being on the market. So in both ways, I was very surprised. And I, I, I can't remember who which website I read it from. It was a reputable website, but I, I can't remember where I read it from. But before, it might have been a Two or three days before the Preds got Niederreiter, I read somewhere that the Preds were originally interested in in getting him on day one and something fell through or they couldn't work it out and it didn't happen. I remember reading that article and thinking, like, man, that would have been a – that's too bad. Like, that's a swing and a miss. Like, that he would have been a great addition. Why couldn't we figure it out? Why couldn't we – you know, that's something the GM has to do there. And yeah. to, to David Poyle's credit, he st- he must have stuck with it. And then, of course, I saw also that Roman Yossi um, played a part in that, mm-hmm. which is awesome to see your captain. Uh, and, you know, we know how well-respected around the league that Roman Yossi is among his peers. So to see him go out and, you know, wheel and deal as a captain to, to get a player like that is awesome. It's, it's, and when it, when it comes to actual Niederreiter's play – and what you said, I totally agree with about his defensive play and his – I like that comparison to Hornquist. I haven't thought about that, but that's good. He's, You know, you're hoping you can get 20-plus goals out of him, you know, around that mark. Maybe kind of be what Craig Smith used to be to this team, which was just that depth scoring type of player. But, um, I mean, I really want to see how, what kind of impact he can make on Ryan Johansson if he's mm-hmm. indeed on the same line with him because it's all about making your line mates better. And I think Nino Niederreiter is going to make his line mates much better no matter who he plays with. And so that combination of Johansson and Niederreiter, I'm very excited about it. That ends up happening. He's a very sneaky, good defensive player. And I'll just end it with this when it comes to Niederreiter. This is absolutely no, no knock on Luke Cunning. I wish him well in his, uh, in his NHL career. And I think he's got a future and he's, he does a lot of really things well, but I we're basically getting an upgrade from Luke Cunning with Nino Niederreiter. Yep. Niederreiter is going to take some penalties as well, but he's going to take hopefully smarter penalties that maybe sometimes you have to take a penalty or sometimes it's the way you were playing, but hopefully he won't take the really bad ones that put his team in a really bad situation. So and like Hornfist, uh, he's going to draw a lot of penalties too. He is, yeah, very true. And he's going to get some, he's going to get you hopefully around 40 points, you know, and that's kind of the that that's being very modest. But you know, if he can if he can get you around 20 goals and maybe 30 assists, 25 assists somewhere in that range, I'll be happy. I mean, that's great. That's great quality depth production there that this team badly needs so that it's not all on Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, Matt Duchesne, 
and to a lesser extent, Mikel Granlin to just carry the offense on nights to where we're so top heavy and it's either them or bust. We, we, we get, and so Niederreiter can hopefully fill that role and he's going to give you a good defensive play as well. You know, he's a two way player. So it's, yeah, it's great. You know, love it. The next biggest thing was the Predators didn't bring back players that were redundant on the roster. And what I kind of called clearing the roster glut, mm-hmm. which is, as you just mentioned, they traded Luke Cunning. So thank you for that segue. They chose not to re-sign Nick Cousins, who moved on, I believe, to Florida. Yes. Yep. And they chose not to re-sign Matt Benning, who mm-hmm. moved on to, I believe, San Jose, I think San Jose or Anaheim, one of the two. I, I'm, having um, tr- I'm having trouble remembering where he landed myself. <laughs> Either way, he managed to get himself a four-year contract, so good for him. Yeah, but I do remember that part. I I think what is really important there is there are players coming up and players that needed to be brought in. And while I know the Predators have historically loved to create competition in camp, they didn't artificially put blockers in the way of some of their younger players Mm. to where there is current state a spot on the roster for Cody Glass. There is current state a spot on the roster for Philip Tomasino. There would have been anyway, but still there is a spot for Ellie Tolvanen, but there's still enough space there for competition between Tolvanen and Zach Sanford looking at some of the younger players, Yuso Parsonen, Igor Afanasia, Luke Evangelista, who, by the way, looked ridiculous during Predators development camp. That's the what I skill, heard. Yeah. The skill on Evangelista is out of this world. So I can't wait to watch him with the Admirals this year. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to see how he transitions to the AHL, which is uh, going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough transition. A lot of people don't realize – the AHL, they play, they play much better defensively than what he's used to. So I really want to see how his game transitions. It'll be a real test for him. Everything looks like he's going to just be the real deal. Just got to show some patience, obviously. So all and that also, to say, yeah, also Matt, well, I was going to say, yeah, all those players you just mentioned, but then also Matthew Olivier moves on as well. Another, yeah. I know you, I know he wasn't in the starting lineup regularly, but he, he, that like you're talking about, clears up space for others to, you know, to maybe get a call up at some point this coming up season. Whereas Matthew Olivier was kind of the rotational guy for the longest time. And, um, you know, he was even on the hard line for a little bit, you know, like he plays yep. that same style of play and wish him the best. I think he ends up with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus, if yep. I remember. Yeah. So that could be a good spot for him, by the way, I actually think, I think he'll, he should get some ice time with them and Absolutely. get some games under his belt. So I'm happy to see him land there. It's, it's like you said, man, it's, it's one of those things where you got to clear out some roster pit space and uh, get away from the redundancy. I like that term you use there redundancy. And it, they've done that. I mean, it's it's kind of being overlooked this offseason, but that's significant. What they've uh, addition by subtra- by subtraction, you know, mm-hmm. like that that has its place during the offseason as well. I I can't really be upset in any way over what David Poyle's done this offseason. He's done everything he said he was going to do in the press conference, in the season press conference. He's lived up to it. He's made moves. Now we got to see what the results are going to be. But he did do his end of the bargain, which is, you know, we wanted to see him be aggressive. I wanted to see him be aggressive and make some moves. 
And he did that. I mean, he's made a lot of moves. And now yeah. we got to see we got to see how it results. Now it's on John Hines to put put together a team and put together a system and the players got to execute obviously, but David Poyle's yeah. done his job this offseason. I would absolutely agree. And we know he he looked at some of the bigger moves. He he looked at Matthew Kachuk from some of the final reports as well as from from Poyle himself. He inquired and the Predators weren't on Matthew Kachuk's list. So he asked, it wasn't there. So mm-hmm. we moved on. What can you do? What can you do? Which leads to the next question. So sort of looking at the whole of the offseason, you know, you could say a, a lot of holes were filled, a lot of needs were addressed. But I think it's still easy to say this team is probably another piece away from being a contender. And you look at probably two spots in the lineup. The second line wing, either Niederreiter or Tomasino spot, and the third line wing, which right now you would probably pencil Zach Sanford alongside Cody Glass and Ellie Tolvanen. Mm. So do you think either now or through, call it the first two or three months of the season, there's another move to be made potentially for either one of these rental forwards Absolutely. That, are, that are upcoming or even a longer term bet, which I'm, I'm not giving up on this. Someone like Jesse Pugliarvi, who avoided arbitration, re-signed in Edmonton, but doesn't appear like his long-term status is any more secure there than it was a, a few weeks ago. I'm not giving up on Jesse Pugliarvi at all. Like, I've been thinking about that. I, you know, like, he did – he could still be very much a trade piece for, uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, they don't – it doesn't seem like it's a very happy match – there in Edmonton for him right now. And he's got tons of upside, tons of upside. Mm-hmm. He could be a player that could just needs new scenery, you know, like, I don't know. I, so I, I'm very interested to see that um, for sure. I would be really excited and open to seeing what you could, what, what you could send to Edmonton to, to get him. But if that doesn't happen, cause it is a little far fetched, but if, if, if something like that doesn't happen, then I'm, I'm, honestly content with going into the season. This team's got the roster now to to compete in the regular season, to compete for a top three spot. I know that's not the goal. I know we don't just say, oh, we finished in the top three of the division. We should be happy. But I'm saying like you got to show results. You got to show you got to show improvement. You got to start somewhere. A, a big starting point is can we stay out of that wild card mess? Can we stay off that playoff bubble? And can we be a legitimate top three team in this division? For most of the season, not just hang out in the top three for in December or or whatever for a few weeks and get us all excited, and then you just drop like a rock to the bottom of the ocean, and and that's all. And, and then we we look at you as imposters. No, I need we need you to actually show that you belong there. So that would be a start, and I think they got the roster to do that with what they've done this off season so far. Then. You start thinking that I'm then I start thinking about the trade deadline. And I know that's going way, way, way out. But um, that's kind of when I start thinking about okay, if the team is in a second or third place position and they are very high up in the standings and they're they're showing that okay, this team's got something here. Like they can compete in the postseason here, at least compete with everyone except for Colorado. You know what I mean? Then there might be a move to be made there, and then we'll see what happens. So 
at the very least, they have done this offseason. What they've done is there's no excuses to not at least be a top three team in this division. Compete with Minnesota. Compete with St. Louis. Compete with Dallas. I think they're better than Dallas. I think they're better than Winnipeg. They're definitely better than Arizona and Chicago. Minnesota might be a toss-up. And then you got St. Louis, who, okay, you can you can say they're still better and that maybe they're the second-place team. And then, of course, Colorado's there. So, I mean, that's kind of my pecking order right now for the division. So, uh, yeah. I don't know if they got another move this offseason before the regular season starts, though. Like, I mean, Phil Kessel's still hanging out out there. Still hanging out there. Is, but where do you put him in the lineup? I don't want Phil Kessel taking away a spot from a younger guy who might – be able to bring similar. Now he's going to be cheap. What do you think we could get Felkessel for? Two million? Two, three million probably. Yeah, I think in that range. I don't know if I'd pay three, but I mean. The challenge is where the Predators sit right now. Once Trenton is signed. Exactly. So they're going to be real tight against the cap. So they probably have to move salary out to make something happen. Yeah. Which at that point, do you move salary out to sign Felkessel? I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. where, Where I would slot him right now would be it's hypothetically yeah third line yeah a tolvanen glass kessel line actually could be pretty fun it could be fun yeah it could be and you know kessel even on a really horrible coyotes team put up over 40 assists last year he didn't score mm-hmm. the goals which is what everyone knows him for but can you really blame him on that team <laughs> so it, it it's not a ri- it's not a huge risk but and it could still happen. That's really the only move I see out there that's, that's going to happen this offseason, unless they do yeah. pull off a trade, like you're saying. But I'm okay with it, honestly. Like, I, you're not going to, you're not going to change, you're not going to go from what they were last year to being a Stanley Cup team in one offseason, most likely. I mean, it, it's just very now. If they would have gotten Matthew to Chuck, well, then we'd be probably yeah, it's whole, whole different, different things. <laughs> but you know, like. We, we got to see what they can do here. We got to see where they're at when the trade deadline gets here and all that. I and mean, there's just so much hockey that has to be played. We don't know what kind of injuries might happen, unfortunately. So it's just like there's so many things that have to happen to know to know what they're going to want to do at that point, obviously. But where we sit right now, they, they have no excuses not to be a top three team in this division. Well, and you mentioned the trade deadline and without going into any super detail about anybody individually, just a few names that could be out there. The recently acquired Jonathan Huberto, JT Miller, nobody in Nashville wants to hear this, but Patrick Kane, Ugh. Joe Pavelski, like there's, there's some, I read Alex Kalorn, Ryan O'Reilly. Did you see, uh, not to go off the tracks here, we don't have to go deep into it, but did you see where one article came out from somewhere saying linking Patrick Kane to the stars and then another another writer. I'm sorry, I don't have these all saved. Yeah, like was, re, re, very reputable sources. Yeah, were basically was, sending out conflicting reports. I think it was David Pagnota said that he was talking to different teams, which Link the stars. Mark, yeah, which Mark Lazarus, who's based that's in Chicago, right. shot yep. that down pretty quickly. So, yeah, that's what I saw. Yep. You know, it's it's probably somewhere in the middle as usual, but yeah, it looks at the very now, least. Now JT Miller, I like that one. That that one really interests me a lot. Uh, Jonathan Huberto, of course, it's player speaking. He's going to say this, but he said he's very open to being long term with Calgary. So we'll see about that. But we'll see what yeah, happens. there's and you know, so yeah, there's going to be players out there that mm-hmm. that you want to make a big move at that point. And you feel like you're hanging out in second place, and you're one big player away to from 
pursuing a Stanley Cup, that's got to be something that David Poyle's thinking about right now. Obviously, yep. you're, you've always got to be thinking three or four steps ahead. You can't be just thinking about right now. So, you know, he's smart. He's been doing this a long time, obviously. And so uh, he knows he, – he's told a very popular radio host that sometimes he knows a little bit more than we know. I'm <laughs> talking about David Poyle. So. Yep. All right. Well, that will do it for our recap of the Predators offseason to date. So after the break, we will take a quick spin around the league and look at some of our best and worst moves, and we'll wrap it up from there. So this is the Predator Way podcast, and we'll talk to you in a moment. Welcome back to the Predator Way podcast. I am your host, Boyd Farish, and I am joined for this episode by Chad Minton of Predlines and the Catfish on Ice podcast. So in the first segment, we really went in-depth on the Nashville Predators offseason. Now let's take a bit of a broader look around the league and what has taken place through free agency. Where I wanted to start with Chad is, who do you think made the best move of the offseason? Well, you got to start with, um, how about the Carolina Hurricanes and what they did? They they had a really, really – so I know they lost some players, obviously, but I mean the fact that the fact that they went out and got uh, didn't they get Patch ready for literally nothing? Yeah, I mean that's I mean I when I saw that I, I just couldn't believe it, and we knew that the Vegas Golden Knights were going to have to you know get cap compliant or whatever, and that the clock was ticking on them. We knew that was coming, and so. Did, they, I mean, the Hurricanes, I mean, getting Pacioretty is, is huge for them because they're already a team that was already really good, obviously, and stacked. And so to add a player like that to their lineup, I mean, they're going to be scary. They're going to be sc- even scarier than they already were. And We got Nino Niederreiter from them, and they lost uh, – let's see, who did they lose? They lost another player. They lost Niederreiter and Max Domi. Okay. I mean, yeah, but that's but they, not going to – But they traded that for, you know – Max Pacioretty and Brent Burns. Yeah, right. (laughs) I think they did okay. Um, So I think the Hurricanes are one of the biggest winners of the offseason for sure with that move to get Pacioretty. And then as far as, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's been a rough offseason for the Calgary Flames, and it's not really to any fault of their own. I mean, I really want to know what's going on there for, for two of your biggest superstars to bolt like they did. It's not like it was a bad season for them last year. I mean, they were a dark horse Stanley Cup contending team going into the playoffs just by the way they play. And they had a really, really great season. And then Johnny Goudreau decides out of nowhere, you know, to go to Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams. And then Matthew DeChuck follows right behind. And it's just, it's weird to me. And like, I'm glad they got Jonathan Huberto. That's great for them. That's probably like the best they could have hoped for in this whole scenario. It's 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 been a tough pill to swallow. It's got to be for yep. for Flames fans. Even getting Jonathan Huberto, it's still got to be tough to watch their two biggest superstar players after a season they just had just bolt like they did. It's just I still can't believe it happened. Honestly, so rough off season for them. Yeah, that's tough. And and don't sleep on Mackenzie Weger being a part of that trade too. He is a yeah. very very good defenseman. So he is. They came out of that very well. If they can sign both of those players longer term, then Calgary looks to be in great shape. So my my best moves um, 
first is to Columbus for pulling off the Johnny Gaudreau signing. Um, if, if you haven't watched it, the Blue Jackets media released kind of a behind the scenes video of their phone calls with agents and players and whatnot leading up to that signing. Pretty fascinating. I always love seeing that kind of stuff. I could watch it all day long, but what a huge get for Columbus as an organization, as a market to convince a superstar player to sign their long-term. That's mm-hmm. just a, a huge move for them as a franchise. So I think that's going to be well worth every dollar they're spending. And then my other was, I don't want to say this is under the radar, but the Edmonton Oilers getting Jack Campbell. A bit totally risky at, a, a bit risky at five years, but they have needed a goalie for as literally as long as I can remember. It's been their Achilles heel. I mean, forever. Yeah. Yeah. And if they can get some stability in goal, that could be just really setting the table for a, a quite good Edmonton team to really make a move and, and make a deeper run into the playoffs and, and to take advantage of all the talent that they have. For sure. Um, uh, there's, I got one more team real quick that I, that I should have mentioned. I think the Ottawa Senators have also had a really mm, good, um, off good season by getting Alex to bring it. I mean, obviously that's huge for them. So those are kind of my two teams, Ottawa Senators, Carolina Hurricanes. Those are probably my top two teams that have probably had the best offseason. Yeah, that's a that's a very good call on, on Ottawa. They had a heck of an offseason. And you're talking about a team that was showing promise last year. I mean, mm-hmm. they were sh- they were showing building blocks. Like they're definitely heading in the right direction. Uh, so to have the offseason they've had on top of showing what they were already showing last year with a pretty young team. Uh, watch out for Ottawa. They could be a sneaky wild card type team next year in the Eastern Conference. By the way, how about I think the Eastern Conference is past the Western Conference when it comes to top to bottom, a more competitive conference right now. Whereas the Western Conference just seems a little bit more top heavy right now. Like obviously, you got yeah, Colorado they actually out there. They actually kind of flipped. Yeah, in, man. In in one off season because it was it was last season that the Eastern Conference was basically decided who was in the yeah. playoffs by January. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I remember that. The Eastern Conference is just like stacked, man, top to bottom. It is a very competitive conference right now. Detroit's gotten better, you know, like that's another team that's been bad for a while and they're showing a lot of promise and getting better. They've had a pretty good offseason as well. So, I mean, you're looking at a lot of Eastern Conference teams that they have been doormats for a little bit and they're going to be a lot better. Whereas, I mean, I don't know about the Western Conference and that's good if, from a Predators perspective. That's great. You love that. That gives you an opening to maybe move up a little bit and do what, do what I was talking about, you know, like finish higher up in the division, get a better playoff seed and avoid the Colorado Avalanche in the first round and then go from See there. what happens. Yep. Go from there. So, Chad, what would you say was your worst move of the offseason? Well, I kind of like, you know, it's, it, it's, I kind of agree with you, man. The Tampa Bay Lightning have had a weird offseason, dude. If you want to kind of get into that, like, I mean, they've, they, they, they had to get cap compliant, obviously. So that's why they lost Ryan McDonough in the first place. They did not want to lose him. Predators took advantage of that. So that's great. But, um, I don't know what to think about. T- I know they brought back Andre Pilat, but they had to make a, Andre Pilat went to New Jersey. Did he really? Yeah. So they, they lost Palat. They lost McDonough. Well, that they makes lost them even worse. Jan Ruda. And then they re-signed Sergachev, Sorelli, that, okay. and Cernak. 
I was getting I was getting I was getting Sergachev mixed up with Palat. I knew I knew they had I knew they had a ton of players this offseason that they wanted to keep, but they couldn't keep them all. And I I was getting Palat mixed up. Thanks for the correction there. Um, But either way, like it's I don't know what to think about them next season. Like I I definitely think they'll still be decent, maybe a playoff team, but their runs to the Stanley Cup, I think, are are over for a little bit, most likely. After they're, that, what's they're going to be on one side. of those interesting teams that's going to just sort of ride the wave to the playoffs and see if they can catch. They fire. still have Andre Vasilevsky, who's probably still got to be considered the best goaltender in the world, and he absolutely and he absolutely showed it in the Stanley Cup against Colorado. I mean, that could have easily been a sweep right there if Andre Vasilevsky's not in that. I mean, he he was incredible against yeah. Colorado. So I mean, yeah, Tampa's still going to be good. They're still going to be up there. But as far as being like the top of the pecking order in the Eastern Conference, I don't know about that anymore. I don't think they're at the top of the mountain. Interesting. I don't think they're going to be a regular season top team, but they will be just as they were this past season, super dangerous. I got to make sure my neighbors aren't listening right now. I forgot where I'm at. <laughs> luckily, luckily, a lot of the people who live in my um, apartment are not from here either. So I think I'll be okay. But. Still. <laughs> Um, my worst, ironically, my, or one of my worst is the same team that was one of my best. And that was Columbus handing out a four year, $16 million contract to Eric and Branson. Oh yeah. Just I remember that. That was, I weird. mean, you know, I have to imagine on some level that was part of the enticement for Johnny Gaudreau because they had just played together in Calgary and maybe they're friends, maybe they're close and there was something there, but it just boggles the mind. And then by the same token, Detroit giving a long-term deal to Ben Sherratt, who outside of be big, hit hard, offers very, very little on the ice. It's nice and- to see another team do that and not the Predators <laughs> do that for change. Yes, it, it's it's nice to see the Predators seeming to learn from some of their mistakes. Chad, who do you think took the biggest risk this offseason? Biggest risk? Oh, for me, it's got to be Florida. I mean, I know Matthew mm-hmm. Chuck's a great player and, and stuff, but how much better did they really get to sign him to that long of a contract? I know he's generational. I know he's a young – I think he's 24. So, you know, in uh, the last episode of Catfish on Ice – we made some really bold predictions. And so my bold prediction on next year's league MVP was Matthew DeChuck. I said, why not? Let me, I'll go ahead and put my name on it mm-hmm. because he is going to pile up the points in Florida and the way they play. It's a running gun speed team. So he's, he's play next to Barkov. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see him doing that, but as far it's a team sport. Do I think he just with, with, with what they gave up, do I think that they're that much better? I think it's a big risk, and it can totally blow up in their faces in a couple of years yeah. if they're still getting bounced in the playoffs and all they're doing is, yeah, they're competing for President's Trophies every year, but until – it's just one of those teams that I just – I got to see it to believe it. They could win three President's Trophies in a row, and I'm just not going to buy into the Florida Panthers until they show me something in the postseason. So – this is still a major risk to, to do what they did, and we'll see if it works out for them. But I call it a big risk for the Florida Panthers to do what and, they did with that contract and with that trade package. Yeah, they they gave up a lot for Matthew Kachuk, that, that's for sure. My biggest risk is staying in Florida and Tampa in the same offseason handing out three eight-year big-dollar extensions Ugh, yeah. to Mikhail Sergachev, who granted, very good player. Anthony Sorelli, very good player. 
and Eric Cernak. I don't know if I'd call him a very good player, but offers a lot on the ice, especially for the way Tampa as a team is constructed. But for a team that's going to be perennially up against the cap until Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky really reach the end of their careers and move along, that's a huge commitment. And those those three are going to eat up a lot of cap space. So I'm all for retaining your talent and, and, and keeping the guys that get you there around, but to give all three of them eight year extensions, that's, that's, that's kind of risky. It is. I kind of look at it as on, on the, on, in the short term, it can work out great for them. It can keep them competitive. Like we were just talking about where we think they're going to be next year. It can keep them up there in the, in the Eastern conference by keeping those three players around. But if you're thinking way down the road, they're going to be, they're going to have to jump through more hoops and they're going to be in trouble. You know, it possibly mm-hmm. if, the, if those players take a dip and they're going to be kind of, their backs are going to be against the wall and they're not going to be able to do a whole lot. So yeah, that's, that's good. Three eight year contracts in one off season is crazy. Yeah. That's, that was really surprising. It's All been right. A, it's been a great off season though, man. I can't it remember. I can't fun. remember. I know I'm trying not to be prisoner of the moment here, but I'm being dead serious. I can't really, I mean, I haven't gone back and looked at every offseason. And honestly, I've only been really following closely NHL offseasons on this level for like maybe five years. But I'm just saying, like, this offseason has been really, really just edge of your seat, just one thing after another. Just like, mm-hmm. okay, now where's this player going? Where's this player going to go? And it's all been really big name players. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm kind of ready to like decompress for a month and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then get in, and then we'll jump right back on that horse and get ready for, uh, you know, training camp and preseason and all that stuff. Yeah, I would say the the closest I can think of in terms of excitement in a single offseason, you know, what, what was it, the wildest 25 minutes in NHL history? With Subban and Shea Weber trade? Subban, really? Shea Weber, uh, yeah. Hall for Larson, and Stamkos re-signing in Tampa. You know, those were all three huge maneuvers by the mm-hmm. various teams. And you look at this season, Johnny Gaudreau leaving, Matthew Kachuk getting crazy, traded. Man. Just one thing after another. Chicago, Chicago trading to Brinkett and Kirby Doc. So um, many, so many big name players were on the move. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you had Patrick Line hanging around out there where you know people were talking about him. Like so many big name players were hanging around yeah. out there this year. So, so it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. definitely been exciting. I'm I'm gonna have to sort of like you take a breath, take a reset and try to figure out where everybody is before training camp starts because <laughs> I don't actually even really know anymore. It was even when you brought up Ottawa with Alex Debrinkin, I was like, God, they, they did something else, didn't they? Oh yeah. yeah. They signed Claude Giroux. <laughs> I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't, when I brought up Ottawa, I didn't even bring up Claude Giroux. I just, yeah. I just brought up the, the biggest one I thought, but yeah, how, how do I not bring up Claude Giroux? I mean, so yeah, it's just been a crazy off season, man. Just so many big name, you know, there's always tons of movement, but with this many superstar high profile players, mm-hmm. it's just been, it's been great, man. It's been yeah, fun it's, to watch. it's, this is what the off season is supposed to be like. I mean, if, if you ever follow, especially the NBA, the NBA trade deadline and trades around the NBA draft, and NBA free agency are bananas. Yeah. Huge and names. That's how it was this year for the NHL. Massive packages every year. And it was, it, it was cool to sort of see the NHL have a similar type of like yeah, excitement I and intrigue and, and big things happening. I definitely saw where the, the NHL set a record for most money in contracts handed out in an offseason. <laughs> in the second year of a flat cap. Yeah. 
NHL so, general managers cannot help themselves. Nope. <laughs> it's a tale as old so as So when we start writing our preseason um, articles and stuff like that, and previews, uh, I think Cap Friendly is going to be our best friend like it always is. Always. <laughs> to, make, to make sure we double-checked. Did that player really end up there? Let me double-check to make sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that player definitely went there. Gosh. Absolutely, absolutely. So we will end it there. This has been the Predator Way Podcast. I am your host, Boyd Farish, joined today by Chad Minton. You can find me on Twitter at Boyd underscore 1212 and my written work on penaltyboxradio.com. Chad, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on predlines.com, part of the Fan Side Network. And then I am a co-host of the Catfish and Ice Podcast, which is part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, uh, so we do episodes every, uh, every week we're on all the major podcast platforms. You can check us out there at catfish ice. And then, uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Chad underscore Minton M I N T O N. So thank you, Chad, once again, for joining today for the next episode, we will take a closer look as training camp approaches, both for the national predators and around the league. So once again, this has been the Predator Way podcast. Please like and subscribe Penalty Box Radio on all the major podcast networks. And everybody have a great night. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.